Oregon is having Dante Moore visit campus this weekend. Dante Moore to the Ducks. Yeah, now it makes a lot of sense. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins, including Oregon against Liberty, perhaps. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Dante Moore, some more quarterback talk with regards to Dylan Gabriel coming later in today's show. We've got Max Chadwick of PFF on today's program. Not program, because this is a program. Dan Lanning is operating as the head coach of a program. There's a distinct difference there, and there's a different spelling as well, as we're all aware of. But Dante Moore does, right now, make sense. Now, some people may remember that the day before the Pac-12 championship game, I remember from Las Vegas starting a little bit of a Twitter firestorm in my mentions. And it was a reminder of why my Twitter mentions are muted and why I don't get a buzz on my phone every time someone tags me because it went on for several hours and was a rather spirited debate, which I'm here for. I'm absolutely here for. But I tweeted out when Dante Moore went into the transfer portal that I didn't think adding him was the right move for Oregon, that I didn't see the upside. And if you're going to go with a young guy who still has to be developed and endure growing pains, then Ty Thompson would have been the choice I'd prefer, given his experience, his patience, and his familiarity with the offense. I stand by that take, by the way. However, that has changed with the addition of Dylan Gabriel, because that tweet and that conversation and opinion that I held and stand by was in the context of starting for Oregon in 2024. But Dante Moore has talked about development, and he wants to go somewhere where he can be developed. If he's willing to sit out a year, and Oregon gets Dante Moore to have as the backup quarterback in 2024 to Dylan Gabriel, and then Moore starts in 2025, as much as I believe Austin Novosad has got starting potential, which I fully do, by the way, I think Moore has greater upside. I was a huge fan of Moore coming out of high school, as everybody was. I thought he was the guy that Oregon should have been going after, and they were. And they had him verbally committed, and then Dillingham went to Arizona State, and he flipped to UCLA. If you're asking me who would I rather start in 2024 for Oregon – Ty Thompson or Dante Moore? The answer is Ty Thompson. But with Ty Thompson out of the picture now and in the transfer portal looking for a new home, and with Dylan Gabriel inserted as Oregon's QB1 for next year, Dante Moore is a great fit. He is a great fit because he's clearly a guy who is not ready right now to be a starting quarterback. He threw for just over 1,600 yards this year, and he had 11 touchdowns and nine picks. He had three pick sixes in consecutive weeks. He threw a pick six against uh, Washington State, Oregon State, and I think Arizona might have been the other one. 
He could not. He had the old JWS, Jameis Winston syndrome, a case of throwing the ball to the wrong team often. And so he's someone who does need to be developed because he was not like Ty Thompson at times and early in his career, he was not reading defenses correctly. He would get locked onto a target. And one thing that Chip Kelly was often frustrated with him about on the sidelines was on, you know, a third nine or especially, a, you know, a key force down, he wouldn't throw the football. And Chip would say, dude, we, and, and he talked to him about it multiple times this year. He, he'd go over and say, hey, I'd rather you throw the football and it be an incompletion or interception than you give us no chance to convert by taking a sack. Throw it up into the air. Like, just you got to find a way to get rid of the football. He has work to be done. But if he comes into Oregon and is sitting behind a sixth-year quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, in Will Stein's quarterback-friendly offense, whose ability to develop a signal caller has been well-documented at this point, going back to his time at UTSA, to what he did with Bo Nix, to what he did with Ty Thompson from 2022 to 2023. Tangible examples of an ability to develop a quarterback and maximize his potential. I really believe in Will Stein's ability to do that once again, if afforded the opportunity. Now, I have no idea what Will Stein's coaching aspirations are. If he puts up another season and Dylan Gabriel's you know, in the Heisman discussion, Will Stein might get some looks to be a head coach somewhere, maybe. But you can't operate in that world. I think it's pretty clear right now he's going to remain in Oregon for 2024. And Dante Moore, being a backup quarterback who has some experience, so if called upon in a particular moment, it's not like you have to, you know, like tie in 2022, just hand the ball off three times in a row. You could throw it because he knows what to do. He doesn't know how to operate for all four quarters, but it's not as if he's never seen Division I college football in big moments against good teams. So I think that part of it works, and the development part of it works. Because you've got an offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach who clearly knows what he is doing. You have a veteran quarterback who you can learn from and grow in your own right, which he has stated is a priority of his. And then the opportunity to start in 2025 would be readily available. And do I think that Dante Moore has greater potential than Austin Novosad? I do. And if Moore came in, Novosad might be out. And that's the way that the transfer portal works now. Not everybody might like that, but that's the way that it would go. And I think that Dante Moore, as a developmental quarterback, to start in 2025, rather than 2024, while still having that in the back of your mind thought of, hey, if Dylan Gabriel were to have to miss a game and it was against, you know, uh, uh, an Indiana or a rebuilding Michigan State or something like that, and you have to start Dante Moore, you're still capable of winning the football game. He has started and won Power 5 football games in his career. I think that that all fits. I think it all fits across the board, which is why I think it'll work. Let me know what you think in the YouTube comments or on Twitter, subtext as well. Always great ways to reach me over there. We're going to reach a guy who knows a thing or two about Oregon's for sure starting quarterback in 2024, and that's uh, Dylan Gabriel, of course. His name is Max Chadwick, and he works for PFF. They know numbers and football. You know what they know over at Prize Picks? Do you know what they know at Prize Picks? Many of things like how to be the largest daily fantasy sports platform 
in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. That's it. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. Want to play alongside some of Prize Picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill or comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy. So your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. And Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go check them out at prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Max Chadwick joining me here on Locked On Ducks PFF. We've had him on once before. Thought we would do it again, given that we got a new player that we're trying to understand. Let's hop right into it, Max. You study the numbers and data and film and all that sort of stuff with. Uh, every college football player imaginable, hence your uh, Twitter handle at Max Chadwick CFB. There's no NFL in there. This is college football. That's that's what we love the most, of course. But your overall impressions of Dylan Gabriel, who has played more than a few games in college football, are what? Oh, man, dude. First of all, thanks for having me on again, Spencer. I love talking. Yeah, great to have you. But, uh, but dude, yeah, this is uh, – I, I listen, I just dropped my top 25 players in the transfer portal article over at PFF.com if you want to check it out. He was my number one player. I, I thought this guy was the prize of the portal, honestly. So Dan Lanning, I mean, kudos to him for getting another stud quarterback in the portal now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was – listen, he had the fourth best grade in the country this year for quarterbacks. Only Jaden Daniels, your guy, Bo Nix, uh, and Carson Beck had a higher grade than Dylan Gabriel this year. Um, he's a really – he takes care of the football. He can run. He could push the ball downfield as well. Um, the thing with him that I think makes him – unique in that he can only fit in a few teams and luckily for for Oregon that they are one of those teams he fits in a very specific kind of offense this like air raid kind of offense I don't think he would have worked somewhere like Notre Dame for example like it wouldn't have worked there um so I understand people who might have Cam Ward as a top quarterback in the portal because Cam Ward could fit in a lot of different systems uh Dylan Gabriel is kind of very scheme specific but if you have that scheme which I think Oregon does um then it would work really well so I think he's going to be a top Heisman contender next year for sure. I, I, I would have him as probably a top five-ish Heisman contender next year. Um, and like I said, I think he's the prize of the portal right now. And I think, you know, Bo Nix kind of played the role of a point guard in that offense. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to do exactly that as well. So um, great job by Dan Lanning. And this is a guy that can get you into the college football playoff, the 12-team playoff next year for sure. Yeah, so my, my take on him has been, you know, from what I've seen and what I know about him is that, He's good. He's good enough to get Oregon to the playoff. Yeah, they could win a championship with him there. Like, he's good enough to do that. The rest of the team has to, you know, obviously be good enough as well. He's not going to carry you like uh, a Jaden Daniels did uh, this mm -hmm. past season. At least yeah. that's not my impression of him. But I I've not been on the, you know, Heisman potential train. I don't know that a lot of people are. Why do you think that he could have that sort of season at Oregon next year? Well, first of all, I think. I mean, honestly, if you look at that Oklahoma team, that Oklahoma offense didn't really have that much talent, honestly. They're not really a lot of NFL guys on that offense, and they still were a top five most efficient offense in the country. And I think a lot of that had to do with him. A lot of that had to do with Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator there. And Oregon's got a stud offensive coordinator, too, and Will Stein. So I think that'll 
really help. Um, obviously, Oregon still bring back some some good pieces. They lose some key pieces. Don't get me wrong. Jackson Powers Johnson, namely Bucky Irving. I know declare for the draft. I think Troy Franklin's definitely going to declare for the draft too. Yeah, we expect um, Troy to be gone. Yeah, exactly. Now, Tez Johnson should be coming back though, right? We don't know uh, okay. is the answer because he came in because Bo Nix went to Dan Lanning and said, right. hey, there's this guy at Troy that I know pretty well. He's my and adopted brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oregon fans have never heard that one before. There was a running joke this season that uh, TV announcers couldn't go five seconds in a Tez Johnson anything without saying that he without was saying it. Yeah. Uh, it's a brother to brother connection. And after like five games, we're like, all right, guys, we, we, get, we get it. it. We, yeah. get, we get it. But uh, um, yeah, but yeah, he's he's up in the air. I think that's one of the true 50 50 return pieces for the Ducks. I'd love I that. Mean, that'd, be, that'd be huge. I know I'm blanking on his name right now. You can remind me. There was a five star receiver you had this year, too. Right? Jerion Dickey did not Jerion play. Dickey. Okay. Yeah. So. That, that's I mean I I listen I think he's a Heisman center for one I think he's a really good college quarterback is he an NFL quarterback no but I think he's a really good college quarterback and two I mean you look at what college football is losing after this year I mean there are all the top quarterbacks are gone pretty much so I mean you're talking about the top Heisman centers for next year in terms of quarterbacks you're looking at Jalen Moreau you're looking at Carson Beck uh, I think Dylan Gabriel is in that mix as well um, it's not a lot. I mean, it really is. It's, you know, slim pickings, honestly, in terms of the quarterback talent. Whereas this year, you know, obviously it was loaded at the quarterback position. It's not really the case next year. So I think Dylan Gabriel will have that going for him. Um, he's got a really good team still. Uh, I love Dan Lanning. I love Will Stein. Um, I, I think this is just a perfect scheme fit. I think Dylan Gabriel is probably a top five-ish quarterback in the country going into next year. Uh, and he's going to be a, probably on a playoff contending team too. So that's why I, I would say that Dylan Gabriel is, is one of my top five-ish Heisman contenders uh, heading into next season. So one thing that I felt about him that, you know, has made some people think I'm more down on him. And I, I just think that, you know, he is what we saw this past year. I don't feel with him that there is another gear from a production standpoint. And by the way, if he throws for over 3,500 yards, accounts for over 40 total touchdowns, and has his interceptions in the single digits, Oregon is going to have a chance to make the playoff and make a run a national championship, assuming everything else falls in place the way that you know it, it should in Oregon it is capable of. Do you mm -hmm. think that he could put up a better statistical season than what he did this past year at Oklahoma? I think uh, probably not because, one, um, obviously Oregon's losing a good amount of talent. And two, you're playing in the Big Ten. You're not playing Big 12 defenses. Uh, so that's, that, that's going to be tough. But um, I, I think he could be – I still think he could be really good, though. I, I do. I, I really think he could be one of, if not the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I know we'll see about Jason McCarthy, whether or not he comes back. We'll see uh, – Drew Adler, I think, from Penn State is really good, too. But he's going to be up there for sure, man. Um, I, I definitely think he could have a really good season. And like, like I said, he was great this past year for uh, – for Oklahoma, you know, 30 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,600 yards, like you said. Um, I, I think I really like Dylan Gabriel a lot. So I, I think we'll see similar numbers from him. Again, this is not – I think the different gear is, is correct. This is – what you see is what you're going to get in Dylan Gabriel. Uh, you're not going to get a guy who's going to radically become a, a new quarterback like Bo Nix did. Um, right. I think he's going to be – will he be as good as Bo Nix? Probably not. But I do think he could fit that role. And I, honestly, I mean, I love Bo Nix. I think he is an NFL prospect. But I also think – Bo Nix played in a very advantageous offense for Bo Nix, too. Like he ran it really well, don't get me wrong, but it's a very timing-based offense. It's not like he was pushing the ball downfield that much. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is the same way, man. So if, if he just kind of run the offense and play within the system, which I think Dylan Gabriel has really always done his whole career is play within the system, I think it's going to work really well. So I, I think he could 
Again, will he be an NFL prospect like Bo Nix? No, but I do think numbers-wise he could be near Bo Nix in terms of what they do next year. When you look at all the data and numbers on Gabriel and what he does well, what's his greatest asset as a quarterback? Yeah, um, good question. I would say his touch on deep throws has really impressed me, and it doesn't have a cannon of an arm, don't get me wrong, but his touch on deep throws really does impress me. He plays Again, he plays really well within the system. Um, he's not a guy that you need to worry about. Like Caleb Williams, for example, like Caleb Williams is going to, you know, make a play and try to make a play every time and maybe not play within the offense. Dylan Gabriel is not going to do that. So I think Will Stein, I mean, the star of that offense, uh, one of the stars of the offense this year was Will Stein, honestly. And I think Dylan Gabriel is kind of the perfect quarterback for him to have in that offense. Just kind of, Hey, this is what we're calling. This is the reads you got to make. This is one, two, three, how you got to do it. He's not going to, he's not going to divert away from that. So I think, Playing within the offense, his timing, his accuracy uh, has always been really good. And he can run, too. He's actually a, a very mobile quarterback. So um, all those all those traits, I think, make him a great, great college quarterback. Again, I don't think he's got the physical capabilities of being an NFL quarterback down the line. But I think he's good enough to maybe be an NFL backup for a long time, too. Just Again, he just plays within the offense. He doesn't really uh, divert away from it too much. Yeah, and he also completed just under 70% of his passes this season, and you contrast that to Bo Nix coming from Auburn, and Bo had completed no more than, I think, 61% of his passes was uh, his most efficient year, and he was mm-hmm. under 60% for a couple of years. But I, I think that you know being at Oregon, having a great supporting cast and good coaching from yeah. Dillingham, and especially Will Stein as well, I think Stein is uh, an absolute stud and deserved to be a finalist for, for the Broyles Award this year. Yeah. When you look at at Dylan Gabriel, he's not a big guy. No. When you watch him, how does he navigate his way around that? Combined with the fact that, as you said, he has a good arm, but he does not have the biggest arm in the world. Yeah, I think he his pocket maneuverability is really good. Um, I think he doesn't take sacks at that high of a rate. I don't, I don't believe so. Um, I, I I think he again he's not a huge guy either. Like I, I think he's like six one, I believe. Um, he's but, listed yeah. at like six foot five eleven, but I look at him in the pocket and he looks like Russell Wilson. That looks like yeah, five nine he, five ten. He probably is around five nine five ten. I think the the six foot whatever they're listed at is is probably wrong. But again, he just again he plays really well within the offense, and I think he maneuvers that by just you know it, it might be an issue if he is trying to get out in space and stuff like that, and and you know, but I, I don't think it's that issue with him. So I, I look again. I love Dylan Gabriel. Um, I, I again, I had him as the top player in the portal. Um, he fits a very specific kind of offense, like I said. But Oregon runs that kind of offense, and Oregon's kind of looking for a point guard, uh, and that's exactly what he is. So I, I think I think this will really really work out for Oregon uh, this upcoming season. Last thing for you, Max, when you look at Dylan Gabriel, you said you're a big fan of him, and I think Oregon fans are and will be uh, as well. What's his biggest weakness? What's the one thing that might, you know, bug Oregon fans from time to time or, you know, something that Oklahoma fans would look at and say, man, he just he didn't do X well consistently or he needed to improve Y. What is it? I think if if Will Stein is not drawing up a great game plan and. I don't think he's one of those quarterbacks that can just win the game on his own. I don't think um, like a Caleb Williams can, or even like a Bo Nix has the capabilities. He didn't really have to do it too much this year because Will Stein was, was beautifully drawing it up and, and Bo was beautifully executing it. But I think it, it is more extreme with Dylan where it's kind of like, okay, um, he's going to run your offense. And if it's not working, it's not going to work. Uh, so I think that's the, that's the problem. And why honestly, why his NFL 
again, he's one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the country, but why NFL wise, uh, I just don't really see a path for him to become a starter. It's just because one, he doesn't have the physical capabilities. I don't think he's got the arm talent. I don't think he's, again, he's not, he's not very big, like you said. Um, and he's also, he's old and he, he can run, but he's not like a super dual threat quarterback. Um, so I think that is holding him back as physical capabilities. Um, but I also just think he, again, he, he plays the offense. He, he runs the offense and if it's not working, it's not going to work. Uh, so I, I don't think there's a lot of creativity with Dylan Gabriel. Um, so Oregon fans might be a little upset with that. If, if say the offensive line or the receivers are not getting open, the offensive line's not blocking well, or, or Will Stein is just having an off day as a play caller, uh, that, that could be a problem. Cause I don't know if Dylan Gabriel can kind of save, uh, any, anything that goes wrong with the offense otherwise. Max Chadwick PFF. You can catch him on X at Max Chadwick CFB. Appreciate it. Great stuff. Of course. Thanks, man. Great having Max back on the show. Love his insight. Love FanDuel as well. Love getting to the mailbag, which will in just a moment. But as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn kick off the NFL season. You can get your college football gambling fixed there as well, because Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl against Liberty, up to a 17.5 point favorite. Oh, Boy, is that a big, giant, fat number. The public loves Oregon, probably because Bo Nix has you know, decided to play in the football game of the NFL. It's mailbag time. I love me some mailbag YouTube comments or Twitter. Great ways to get in touch with me. If you want to be a Locked on Ducks insider, you can go join the Locked on Ducks subtext community. Free 14-day trial. Then it's just $5 a month. You get all sorts of perks, one-on-one conversations, breaking news and reaction and insight and in-detailed thoughts and everything like that. And perhaps best of all, you get priority mailbag access. So we go there first. This came from subtext. Hey, Spencer, I got a question and then a hypothetical for the pod. First, I myself am super high on Luke Moga and the potential upside he has. That, of course, is Oregon's 2024 quarterback commit. He also seems like a stand-up dude, I agree. Given that he's only played football since his freshman year of high school, do you think that with some college development and sitting behind a Dylan Gabriel and with Will Stein as the OC, he could be the next great Oregon quarterback? Secondly, I've always wondered how Herbert's career could have panned out under this staff and if he could have taken a team to a CFP or even a national championship in a system like Stein's that is significantly more quarterback friendly than Cristobal's thoughts. Thanks for your time. Go ducks. I'll start with the hypothetical answer is yes. You put Justin Herbert with Will Stein instead of Mario Cristobal and Marcus Arroyo. It's pretty clear. Tyler Van Dyke, by the way, down at Miami, like this is just a trait for Mario Cristobal. Now this is an, an identifiable trend. Did not maximize Justin Herbert, could not develop Tyler Shuck, and now Tyler Van Dyke down at Miami has transferred out, leaving a bunch of untapped potential. He was talked about as a potential Heisman candidate, first-round pick, and now he's trying to find a new home. He's at Wisconsin now, so he has, but uh, he has not worked out there. Yeah, you put Herbert in the Will Stein offense, I tell you what, that'd be a national championship caliber offense. I think it would look fairly similar though not exactly the same to what the offense was this year. I think Stein's really good, and Herbert could have been great. For Luke Moga, 
there is definitely a path. And this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch play out over the next several years because every year, as I've talked about, is an all-in proposition. So the question becomes, does Luke Moga's developmental timeline ever align with the program's overall timeline of, hey, we're ready for this guy to be our starting quarterback and we can go compete at a high level? Because that's the obstacle that young quarterbacks are going to face every single time, every single year. Ty Thompson just faced it. Three different transfers. He wasn't able to crack the starting lineup. I don't know what's going to happen with Moga. I think the upside is there. He's definitely more of a developmental guy. But right now, he's got Austin Novosad in front of him. We don't know what's going to happen with Dante Moore yet. And there's just the ever-looming possibility of a transfer. So, yeah, I mean, if he plays to his full potential, I think he can be really good. I think he can make some special plays. I don't think we have enough information about him yet to know whether or not he can be considered great. But can he be good enough to start and help Oregon win games? Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. What's that timeline, though? Your guess is as good as mine. Next question. This is from Oregon XYZ. Ty has turned out to be yet another five-star bust for Oregon. Spencer, can you name them all? Okay. I want to push back in the strongest possible terms on this particular notion that every five-star Oregon recruits just doesn't work out, which is kind of the implication of the question. Is it not? I don't know if you meant it to be that way. It's certainly how it comes off. Here are Oregon's five stars all time. There have not been very many. There have been more than a few. Uh, There have been, to be exact, 15. Two of whom, by the way, when you put Aiden Breeland into the mix, have not taken a snap yet for the Ducks. And Breeland, I think, would make 16. So they go like this. Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm going to let that hang out there for a sec. Justin Flo, Haloti Nada, Jonathan Stewart, Noah Sewell, Cameron Colvin, DeAnthony Thomas, Josh Connerly, Eric Armstead, Canton. I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. He didn't work out. Thomas Tyner, Jurion Dickey, Lashay Seastrunk, Dante Manning, Elijah Rushing. Those are the five stars, and then Aiden Breeland is not listed yet on 24-7 sports. Those are the five stars that Oregon has had commit all time. And Thompson, depending on where you look, was a high four, a five-star, whatever. I, I, I consider him a five-star. That's, that's what he was, I think, when, uh, when he committed to the Ducks. So if you look just to the top five players to begin, yeah, Justin Flo, you can call that a bust. Injury-ridden, sure, 100%, but it did not work out the way it looked like it could have. Four out of the top five were all home runs. Not good, not just good players. They were home runs. Kayvon Thibodeau is a stud. Haloti Nada was a stud. Those are two of the best defensive players Oregon has ever had. If you put together an all-time Oregon team, those two guys would be on it. And Jonathan Stewart, who's next, would have a really strong case. Noah Sewell was really, really good for multiple seasons with the Ducks. Cameron Colvin, I don't think he lived up to a five-star potential, but was a good player. Not, you know, center point of the offense, but a good player. DeAnthony Thomas, can we agree that he was worth it? Josh Connerly, yeah, dude is a stud. Eric Armstead, beast. And then Canton. So of the 10 highest rated recruits that were five stars in Oregon history, I've got three busts. Canton, Colvin, and Justin Flo. Every other one lived up to the billing. And then you keep going down the line. And you've got Thomas Tyner, 
100% as advertised. There were times where he was better than Royce Freeman. I remember thinking that distinctly during that Oregon season. Jury on Dickey, we don't know yet. Jury's out. Lache Seastrunk, that didn't work out. Okay, so there's another one. Dante Manning is a good player, but not a five-star caliber player. If you want to call that a bust, you can. And then Elijah Rushing and Aiden Breland, we don't know. So, yeah, the ones that haven't worked out. Lache Seastrunk, Dante Manning, and and this is varying degrees of, of having worked out. Canton. Again, I don't want to try and butcher his last name, but uh, Canton, Dante Manning, Lache Seastrunk, Justin Flo, Cameron Colvin. That's it. There have been 16 five-star recruits in Oregon's history. And, and, and you know, four of them haven't worked out. I think, the, I, I think the scouting community kind of knows what they're doing there. So, yeah. And, I mean, I guess Ty Thompson would be 17. So, what, four or five out of 17? Okay. Next question. John, PFF has Knicks a first-rounder in a mock NFL draft. Where was he last year, and how much more will he make now versus last year? So if he's a first-round pick, that is worth several million dollars. I don't know the exact amount. I think it depends on you know the contract you negotiate, what team you go to, and everything like that. But, yeah, he has made himself a significant amount of money from last year to this year. I think last year he was looking at maybe a second or – you know, more likely a third-ish round grade uh, in the NFL draft circles. He was not a first-round pick last year. He absolutely was not. This year, he could be. I don't know if he's going to be. He absolutely could be. I've seen quarterbacks that I don't think are as talented go in the first round. Kenny Pickett, most notably among them. Mac Jones, also among them. So if he's a first-round pick, you, you've made yourself an extra couple million dollars uh, the, the specific amount, again, I think varies based on the team, the contract that gets negotiated and where you're selected, I think matters. But being in the first round versus the second is worth a considerable amount of money. It is in the millions of dollars. And I think that if he ends up being a first round pick, you got to see where he goes. I, I think if he goes to the right spot, he could succeed. If he goes to the wrong spot, it could be a Mariota situation, 100%. And, and by the way, while we're talking about Bo Nix, before I wrap up today's show, there's a story that Yogi Roth there. It was kind of, you know, parceled together on Twitter, but Yogi Roth was telling it. And so were Bo Nix's parents about the Georgia game from last year. And I think that it is a really, it, it's so well done. Yogi Roth is just a pros pro and loves his job and always did a great job. I love listening to him on Pac-12 Networks. I hope I get to keep hearing him call games somewhere because I think he is really passionate and genuine about what he does. I've had him on Locked On Pac-12 before. He's an awesome dude. So I like Yogi a lot, and I think a lot of people do. And I loved, not liked, loved the story that that he and uh, the parents of, of Bo Nix were, were telling about the Georgia game. So Oregon goes to play Georgia, and everything goes as wrong as it possibly could. And Bo, after I think his first or second interception, went over the sideline and the game was, you know, out of hand already. And, you know, Dan Lanning said that he told Bo, like, hey, I, I love you. I support you. Uh, we're we're going to be OK. Like this is, you know, almost as if he knew like what Kirby Smart had said, which is, yeah, Dan's not going to admit it, but we got better players and they, you know, can't really expect to win that game. I don't think Kirby said that. I know he said the part about the better players, which was absolutely true. And it turns out Dan Lanning was also right because Oregon has been pretty darn good since then. 
but Bo's parents were really worried about, you know, how the fans were going to react at the game because Bo had thrown a couple interceptions. It was Bo picks all over again. And he was, you know, they were worried about negative comments and fans turning on him or, you know, they talked about getting spit on or, you know, some crap like that. But instead, the Oregon fans that he interacted with were just all positive with him. And they just said, hey, we believe in you, Bo. You'll be better next time, man. Like, we we support you. Go Ducks. And it was much better told in the video. I'd encourage you to go find it. It's not that hard to find over on X. I, I thought it was fantastic. And just a great reminder for fans that your actions can absolutely matter with regards to these people that we love rooting for who are kids. They, they are kids. They're still growing. They're still learning. They're still maturing. And, you know, that seemed to have a profound impact on the Knicks family and Bo individually. And he turned out to be the best version of himself after that game, every game from there on out. So I, I think that that's just a great, great story and a really, really good reminder for, you know, what 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 the job of fans truly is. And that is to support the players even when things are not going as well as you'd like to because the negative words can certainly have an impact, but the positive ones can make a great impact as well. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.